he was like, I know what it is. And then like you do, he's like, you've got a brain tumor. He's like, we're going to order an MRI just to make sure. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today, I'm sitting down with my friend and client, Heidi Hutchinson, who is a romance author. Heidi was raised in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and she has had an overactive imagination from a very, very early age and wasted no time in getting most of her friends in trouble due to her unrealistic and completely ridiculous ideas. Fueled by coffee and her unwavering and perfectly normal devotion to Dave Grohl, she writes stories full of romance, humor, and heart. When she's not writing, she's on another adventure with Captain Awesome, her alarmingly handsome husband, their fearless child, and a rather large and spoiled dog. Her fuel is still predominantly Dave Grohl and coffee and a whole lot of love. You guys, I loved this conversation with Heidi. We talk about everything from writer's block to creativity, to love, to romance, to to worthiness, to brain tumors, to stress, stress management, you name it. You guys are going to really enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today, I am sitting down with one of my friends, clients, Heidi Hutchinson, and we are going to talk about all kinds of stuff, writing, love, romance, how, how fiction shows up in real life, all this kind of stuff, strong characters, the courage to use your voice, stand out, share your message, share your imagination and creativity with the world, all the good stuff. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super pumped to have you on the show and share you with the Amplify audience. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here. Good, good, good. All right. As you know, we start with some rapid fire questions. So we're just going to go for it and whatever, whatever comes to mind first, like throw it out there. Ready? Yeah. All right. What is something that you're grateful for right now? Ooh, coffee. Oh, yes. Agreed. What is a guilty pleasure of yours, whether or not you feel guilt around it, but you know, oh, I don't I mean. feel guilt around it at Good. all. Um, Good. Uh, Marvel movies. 
Okay. Yes. Ooh, what, which one let's narrow it down right now. Black widow is my absolute favorite. I've seen okay. it three times since it came out. Oh, the newest, right? Yeah. Didn't and I'm going to watch it again tonight. Only? The new one. Maybe, maybe I will check that one out. All right. It, yeah. Pretty badass character. I would say. What is a random fact that not many people would know about you? I sneeze when I eat chocolate. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Are you allergic to it? Nope. And the darker the chocolate, the harder the sneeze. <laughs> All right. I feel like, like there's something. White chocolate obviously doesn't have cocoa in it. So I don't sneeze when I eat that. Okay, so it's like it's a cocoa, cocoa thing. Okay. I, this is, that's a fun, a very fun random fact that I've never heard before. <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now, and obviously like pretty much every single person who comes on this show, they are living their dreams and like doing what sets their soul on fire. But if you could not do what you're doing right now, like what kind of job or career would you have? Like what's something that always sounded like super cool. Park ranger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any weird talents or special skills? Um, I can really, I can make dough for pizza really fast. All right. That's I like it. Being in the industry my whole life, but yeah. Okay. Okay. With like flipping it into the air and everything too. No, like, like okay. mixing it, rolling it like that part, like the, okay. the dough making part of it. Helpful skill. Still helpful. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were little? everything. Yeah. I I actually made a list. I made a list of everything. Oh my gosh. What was at the top of the list? Um, astronaut. Astronaut. Okay. I like it. When was the last time that you cried today? Uh, yes. Yesterday for me. When's the last time I'll probably will today. (laughs) When's the last time that you laughed so hard? You almost peed your pants. Oh, yesterday. Ah, nice. (laughs) It's a big day. (laughs) Um, what is your favorite meal? Tacos. Okay. Okay. Favorite tacos. Yeah. 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 I mean, it depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Favorite travel destination or the next place that you want to travel. Greece. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Now, why don't we get into some of the juicier questions and, and get to know you a little bit better or, or have everyone else get to know you a little bit better. So as everybody knows, you are an author and you write clever, funny, slow burn romance stories for readers who want that like guaranteed happily ever after and happy ending. So I would love for you to share a bit about how how you got here? Like, how did you get into writing and, and becoming an author? Well, I come from a family of storytellers. Um, just as far back as I can remember, there's always been like story time, you know, relatives tell stories and we usually tell them verbally. Um, and then I got to writing them down and realizing I really love that part of it. And mostly I wrote short satires for my friends, like in high school, just to entertain them and make them laugh. And then I started stashing away pieces of a romance, but it was embarrassing. Like I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone to read it. It was like mushy and gooey and, you know, all that stuff. And I come from a really conservative family. So um, romance was very risque, perhaps, Mm -hmm. but I did have this one grandma, my great grandma actually, (laughs) who had like 
boxes of romance novels all over her house, all right, like all over. Oh, and, and I think that's where I get it. <laughs> so, I love it. It wasn't until I was married and I'd had my first child and in, in my marriage, like I knew he loved me, but it was hard for me to believe that he loved me. Mm. He would say, Oh, I love you. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. But in, internally I'd think, you wouldn't say that if you really knew me. And now we've known each other a long already, time. Already married. You're still yeah. feeling that way. Three years in. Yeah. 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 And I knew that that was like my thing because it was one of our reoccurring fights. He was like, you have to just believe me, you know? And like, I'm like, I'm in it. Like, come on, chick. <laughs> He's like, what else do I got to do to prove? And I'm like, I don't know because I didn't, I didn't have an answer for that. Wow. Um, because everything that was happening was happening inside me, not outside mm-hmm. of me. So I had this baby and he was perfect. And it wasn't until that moment, like I'm holding this perfect, tiny, helpless human. And I felt so much love and it all clicked. I'm like, oh my God, you don't have to do anything to be loved. Mm. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to earn it. And it was like, my whole heart just blew wide open. And I was like, I get it now. I understand it. Like, so that was, that was a big, big moment. So I started like taking those pieces of a romance that I had written, really sat down and wrote it all out. And, and it just became huge. I couldn't stop writing. And, and now that's all I do is I just yeah. think of more love stories to tell because I feel like everyone needs to know that that you don't have to deserve love. You can just be loved. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. And you have written at this point, 14 books working on number 15, correct? Um, 15 have been written. The 15th hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've published 14. And number 15 is coming out. I can't say. Oh, dang it. I know. know, Like this, is it in this year? Are you? Yes, it is this year. Okay. Okay. This year at some point, you guys, 2021, stay, stay on the lookout for it. So, and it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I have so many questions for you, but one of the things that I wanted to ask, like, so once you had your son, right. And you really felt like things click as far as your ability to receive love or really felt like, oh my gosh, this, this is like such pure love. How did that affect your relationship with your husband? Oh, oh, it just, it took all of that, um, second guessing out of it. You know, no longer did I have to try to read into his words or what did he mean? Or what was he actually trying to imply or say? It just, it was like this great big exhale, you know, it was just like, you know, just finally letting that go and being able to be with him finally. And that was in me. That was something that I had stuck. He'd been there the whole time. I was the stuck one, you know? And did he, did that, did he feel that shift? I think so. I do. Because I remember one night he said, I love you. And I said, I know. And like, it was kind of a joke, you know, very Han Leia type thing, but he stops and he goes, you do <laughs> like, you know, Aww. like you actually know. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know you do. <laughs> he was like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> like, he was just relieved, you know, <laughs> like, so, finally, 
It's like, <laughs> I've married you. We've had a baby. <laughs> Thank There's God. So much more you can yeah. do to show it, but yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And, and so that really like for you, it sounds like open the floodgates to your creativity and just like pouring that love out and sharing so much of that with, with the world. It's cause it's so much bigger. Like I think I remember once, um, like I said, I was raised in a really conservative home. So we were at church a lot and I had a youth pastor tell me once that we need to not use the word love so often because we use it too casually that we cheapen it. Mm. Um, you know, we can't love Cheetos and our parents in the same amount. Uh, and it's like, I, I get what he was trying to say, but I'm looking back. I'm like, no, I think that the problem is, is that people don't love enough. Mm. Like you should just say you love something because you love it. Like put that into the world, speak it out loud, project that energy. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be reciprocated. Cheetos don't have to love you back. You know, like you can just be like, I love Cheetos. Cheetos are awesome. And it can be the same with your friends. You tell your friends, you love them. You tell your family, you love them. You tell your dog, you love your dog, you know, and there's no consequence of that. It definitely doesn't cheapen love. People want love to have a measure. Like I talk about, you know, how some people, um, some people talk about the, the cup, is it half full or half empty? Mm. Um, and it's, it's not what's in the cup. It's the size of your cup. Mm-hmm. Like how big is your cup? Because yeah. if your cup is, is too small, then it's going to feel like not a lot of liquid in there, right. you know, but if right. your cup is huge, you just keep filling it up. And yes. that's what we should be doing with love is telling people. I tell my friends all the time. I love them. And I know sometimes yeah. it makes them uncomfortable. They're like, okay, Heidi, weirdo, calm down. And yeah. Like, ah. Same. I like random voice note. My friends are like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you, but that's yeah. like a normal thing with me and, and my friends. And I, and I love it. Yeah. And there are different forms of love, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's the, I love Doritos or Cheetos or whatever we're talking about kind of love. I love my dog. That's going to be a very different way that I love right. like my partner or something or my parents, of course, like there are absolutely different forms of love. And I think so many people think that love will run out. Right. And yeah. so they have this like conditional relationship with love and this scarcity type of relationship with love. But I believe, which it sounds like you are in alignment with this too, that like the more you share, like the more that expands, the more that grows, the more you get back. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, share. And, and I used to think that I used to actually feel that way. And I used to feel like, oh, I can't, it has to be really, I have to put up all these barriers and stuff like that for loving others, even if it's friends or people I don't know well, or something like that. Like, oh, I can't like, no, like I can't trust them. I can't da, 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 da. But like, and, and I think, you know, you, you trust your gut and all this kind of stuff. But when we realize that, like we can love so easily and that like makes so much more beauty in the world. Like it be, and and it's never going to run out. Right. And you don't have to put up all these like, uh, like barriers for it or hoops to jump through or all these rules around it. Like it becomes so easy and like, it feels so good, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I have friends too, that I'd be like, Hey, like even new friends, you know, sometimes that I'll be like, Hey, this might sound weird, but like, I really love you as a human. Like, I just love you as a human. That's all. 
Like my soul loves you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But I think it has to do a lot with um, being hurt by people because people are flawed. Relationships are hard. And we somehow correlate that with the love. And it's like, it's not the love that actually hurt you. It's people, people make mistakes. They make bad choices. They're, I mean, we're, I'm, I don't want to say a hundred percent of us, but it's probably a hundred percent of us are broken in some way or yeah. another. And those broken pieces hurt other people, mm-hmm. but the love part doesn't, the love is actually the really good, wholesome part of us. And that's what we should constantly be projecting and gravitating into and like sharing with as many people as we can. Absolutely. How, how does this theme of like feeling unworthy of receiving love and that kind of stuff, how does that show up in, in your stories? Cause I would imagine you pull that in a bit. Like we, we teach, we yeah. share the things that we know and we experience a lot. Um, I'm, well, every book is a little bit different. Um, it's always focused cause it's a romance. So it's always focused on one central couple and they have their issues and working through those issues is how they fall in love and how <laughs> they have to figure themselves out first. That's the key part is they have to figure out that they are lovable. Mm-hmm. And then they realize that falling in love is that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to fall yeah. in love because you're also lovable and you're a creature of love and they're a creature like love is not the enemy. And so it's fun to write those types of stories. I try to, I'm inspired a lot by the people that I know, people that I've met. And so I try to put that into a lot of my books and stuff to make it as realistic as possible. My favorite thing is when I get emails from readers they are like, I feel seen. Like mm. I read this book and this character. Yes. And I feel like I, for some reason, I feel seen. I feel like, you know, me. And I try not to make every character the same because no person is the same, you know? So it's, that's, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's delicate. Like there's tender parts of it that I need to handle carefully. Yeah. I would imagine too, it like leaves you with so much potential and like never ending story options, which me saying that as a non writer, you're like, yeah, never ending story options. Tell me that when I'm hitting writer's block and shit like that. But, but because no there are writer's block. Yes. I love that, which we'll get into in a second because there are so many different humans, right. And so many different kinds of relationships that you could, you could touch on anything and everything, right. Like infinite possibilities and directions to go in. Yep. So on that note, drawing inspiration from real life, are there any, I want to hear more about that. So fun fact for anyone listening in, there is a book based off with a character based off my brother. Yes. 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 Tell us more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Unless it gets weird. I don't know. (laughs) I will try to condense it as much as I can because it's a lot. I've known Zach for five-ish years now, I think. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Um, It took us three years to write the book. Um, I met him online. He had written something um, just really moving and poetic online. And I just sent a message and said, hey, this is really cool. This is a neat thing that you wrote. And it just started a conversation and we found we have a really similar sense of humor yes. and in humor bonds people really fast. Yes. And, and that's kind of all it took. It was like, okay, so now we're best friends. And that, that went very quickly. And, um, I wanted to write a book based on him, based on his experiences, based on his personality, based on his 
um, likes, dislikes, wants, needs, trust issues, all that stuff. Like he's a very complicated person and he knows that about himself. I think, I don't think that I'm revealing anything. No, yes. um, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> um, and so I had to create this character and yes, I wrote it as a romance. I had to invent the female character. She's completely fictionalized. And I created scenarios that are not real to his life because I didn't want anyone to read it and try to find themselves in it. Right. You know, like yeah. someone that is this about me? Was yeah. this about yeah. Yeah. So it, he's the only real person in the book, you know? Okay. Like everyone else is completely made up. And I've only been asked this, I think by like one or two people, but they're like, who did you base the girl on? And I really thought that it was obvious. Like, while well, I was like, when I read it back, I'm like, this is really transparent. Um, but they're both him, both of them, you know? Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, both tell him. me more. Let's, <laughs> let's dig into this. I feel like this is a therapy session for my brother Okay, <laughs> right um, now. <laughs> so the character's name is Remington. Okay. Okay. The girl's name is Lydia. In- <laughs> my dog. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I thought it was funny when you got a Lydia. I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> like Zach, my dog's named after you. Yeah. So Remington's character is very organized. He's very um, disciplined. He's very bossy and controlled and all of those things. And he likes to tell other people what to do. He's a professional life coach. He likes to tell people how they're supposed to be living their lives. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's also unhappy. Her hand is um, completely the opposite. She doesn't plan anything. She's chaotic. She's messy. She is excited about everything. She's adventurous. She's an explorer. She wants to see everything, do everything, be everything. Um, and she absolutely cannot stand him. They run into each other a few times and there's a lot of conflict and a lot of, um, you know, it's very love to hate kind of thing, you know, where they're just they're like, oh, stop being annoying. And, and they, they both push each other's buttons. And as the story progresses, cause it's very slow burn. Cause that's what I write. Um, as the story progresses, they, they become friends and they start to realize they're actually incredibly similar. And they find themselves by finding each other, which was supposed to be symbolic of Zach's life, that he's truly only happy when he's embracing all of himself instead of just sections of himself Mm -hmm. is that his happiness resides in, in both and that he needs to be able to explore both do both and, um, not be so afraid of both. You know, there's not just a one size fits all for his life. He's kind of got a Well, and for all of us, like that's such a powerful lesson for everybody, right? It's like, whether it's our ego, our past, you know, you name it, like we are all of our experiences and all sides of ourselves. So yeah, embracing it, owning it, like not making yourself wrong or holding shame around that kind of stuff. I love that. Yeah. It was really fun to write. It was hard. Um, It's really hard to write a book about someone, you know, personally, especially someone you care about, because there are Mm. parts of the book you have to write the, we call them the black moment, which is, you know, the main conflict. It's like Mm -hmm. the the big climax, you know, where everything goes wrong. And I, um, would get really, I I would avoid writing that part because it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Mm -hmm. It was, um, because it felt like I was 
doing it to him. Like I'm creating this in his life, even though it's not, but that when I'm writing, it's uh, Charles, my husband, he often says that I'm a method writer because I live in the story while I'm writing it. It's hard for me to separate. I did this thing to so and Lydia. It's true. It's very true. But because Zach is my friend, like I would, and I, I just saw some of the messages came back in my timeline the other day where I'm writing the climax or I'm writing the dark moment. And, um, I had to stop and send him a message and be like, I just want you to know that I love you and everything's going to be fine. And it's like, he's like, okay. <laughs> That's like, I don't know what you're weird. talking about, but in my mind, I can like, everything's happening here. This is like Remington's going off and doing this and Lydia's doing this and everything's exploding. And it's like, it was for my own peace of mind. I'm like, I I'll fix it. I can fix this. <laughs> like, don't worry, Zach. I'm going to help. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and he, didn't, he had no idea. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. So now to, to wrap the Zach piece, he has been to a few like book fairs yes. with you as well. Yes. And is like, I, as I've heard is like quite a little um, celebrity there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so very fun. popular. Oh my gosh. That's, um, that is amazing. I, 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 I can only imagine. I don't, I don't need to see it in real life and all that, but oh, he's, were you going to, well, and he's yes. great. I mean, I'm going to say this. He's great when he's there. He is so um, professional. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. He's, he's so good about it. He's very down to earth. He talks to everyone. He will take photos with everyone. He is so gracious and wonderful and patient. He has this gift where when he's talking to you, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the world. Yes. Like that, that is the most important conversation he's going to have all day. And that's how it feels to, to talk to him. And so readers, you know, we're like, Oh my God. Yeah. And no matter who you are, like, and he's always been that way too. Um, I got to get him on the show at some point. Um, but, but yeah, he's always been that way. Even in like growing up elementary school, junior high school, high school, all that, like he was friends with everybody. And if like, you know, the uncool kid was getting picked on, like he would stand up for them and, Mm -hmm. and like, didn't care if you were like one of the cool kids or not, you know? And so he's always been very, um, just had such a huge, huge heart, you know, and, and been, um, very genuine with people. So, so yeah, so I, I, and he's very popular whenever he comes with me, I sell out of all my books, you know, because people just flock to the table. You're like, Zach, take your shirt off. (laughs) Actually, that's one of my rules. I make him wear his clothes. I'm like, you have to stay closed. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I can't be responsible for causing like a riot, you know, like I would get kicked out stampede. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm not going to name names because that's not a thing I do, but other models have come to oh. events, not with me, but with other authors and behaved badly. Like oh. they get drunk and oh. they'll take off their shirts, you know? And like one guy was showing pictures of certain parts of his anatomy to people. Oh my. And, um, I've never had that worry with Zach, obviously, you know, <laughs> but other authors, they're like, Good. Oh my God. You're bringing a model. Aren't you afraid that they'll make you look bad? I'm like, not, not this one. Oh my nope. gosh. Yeah. I wouldn't even think that. Jeez Louise. No, he's great. He's so yeah. great. Yeah. If I could have him come to every single event, I would, but I mean, yeah. it's not logistically possible. Right. <laughs> also, he's so helpful. Like he carries all my crap. I have like books are heavy, you know? Yeah. So I have like this little cart and we load up the cart and I try to like heave it in the door and stuff. And he's just like, oh my God, leave the cart in the car. I'll just carry it. Cause yeah. he can, cause he's like a monster. 
collector, you know, so he'll get all these boxes of books and he carries them and yep. it's great. I love having yeah. him around. Perfect. Perfect. And he gets me coffee. Like lovely. What a good I, brother I have. He's so, so great. Such a great guy. Yes, I agree. I agree. So something switching slightly, something you said earlier that like, there's no such thing as writer's block. Right. Tell us more. So why do you believe that? And then if people are feeling like they're facing writer's block, like how do they get themselves out of it? So yeah. So how, why is there no writer's block? Well, for me personally, I don't believe that there's writer's block. I've, I've spoken to people who are experiencing a form of writer's block where they're having trouble finishing an idea or knowing where to go next. And in my experience, what I've found is that we use our traditional avoidance tactics to prevent us from accomplishing what needs to get done, mm-hmm. whether it's procrastination or um, procrastination is my favorite. Cause that's the one I use. Procrastinate by making myself insanely busy with other things that are completely unnecessary so that I'm quote unquote yes. productive, but still yeah. pro- procrastinating. Like well, um, one of the jokes in writer's circles is like, well, how's the book coming? Well, um, I've reorganized my closet and cleaned up my fridge today. So pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because it's what <laughs> right. we'll do. It's great. I thought about it. I thought about it while I was doing those things. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. Um, my mom always said, cause my mom's a writer too, but my mom always said that it's just another form of laziness, like writer's block. But I mean, I feel like that's a little harsh, but it's kind of true to a certain extent. It is yeah. avoidance. It can't. Yeah it's okay to write something stupid. It's okay write, to sit write down about, and be like, well, like write about your, the writer's block. Like yeah. how many different ways can you explain how frustrated you are right now about writing? Mm-hmm. You're still writing. You're stretching that muscle. You're, you're like using your brain, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of what I would do when I'm having a hard time finding where I'm supposed to be. Um, when I had the brain tumor, it was a little trickier because I would come to a full on complete stop. I'd be writing, writing, writing. And then, um, it, I'd forget how, like I couldn't type words, leave my head. I couldn't remember the word. Remember, you know, like oh, that, it was a real thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I have to take a break and that's okay. I don't think that that's considered writer's block. Sometimes you have to take a break. Absolutely. You have to know what you need, take a walk, get something to eat, fresh air, talk to a friend, like find something that helps rejuvenate you and give you back your energy because it Mm -hmm. is incredibly draining. And you're very alone when you're writing, writing is, is a lonely task. And sometimes you just need to move stuff around, you know, like you talk about all the time, shifting your energy. Mm -hmm. And that's all that writer's block is, is that you've, you've been sitting in the same energy for too long. And now you're, you're like in a fog, you're in a cloud, Mm -hmm. you just need to move out of it. And that might not look like writing something brilliant right now. That might look like taking your dog for a walk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So like back up there a second, um, brain tumor, let's talk about it. Tell us non-cancerous, completely benign, not in the brain tissue. It was on my pituitary gland, which is right behind your eyes. It's like Mm -hmm. this tiny little cavity right behind your eyes. It's like crowd in your third eye too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had some health issues, gained a bunch of weight really fast, went to the doctor. He was like, yeah, you're fat and lazy. You need to go fix that. Whatever. You're like, yeah, but I think it might be something else. This is very extreme. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then, and then six months later, 60 pounds heavier, uh, I go to an endocrinologist and he's like, um, tell me all your weird symptoms. And I'm like, all oh, my weird. Okay. I'll tell you all the symptoms. You know, I'm like, well, it gained weight really fast. 
Um, hair is falling out. Can't sleep at night. My muscles don't really work. Like I'm still working out, mm. but they wouldn't work. Like I had to go yeah. down to like eight pound hand weights and I had been wow. doing like heavy stuff, yeah. but like I was, I was, everything hurt and I couldn't hold on to stuff. And so I'm telling all this, he's like, okay, no, tell me your weirdest one. One that you think isn't even related. And I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of embarrassing. He's like, tell me. And I'm like, well, um, I, I lactate. Know what you're going to say. Oh no. Wait, have- what? lactate when I have panic attacks. <gasps> Weird. That's like a yeah. very bizarre superpower. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling stressed. Pew! Like exactly. I feel like that's yeah. like such a, like, <laughs> such we were driving. Instinct. I, I have like a fear. I have like a weird fear of driving or not driving just of uh, public transportation or things like that. And so we were driving in downtown St. Louis Remember when there was the riots all in Ferguson, just outside of St. Louis? Yes. It was that week. Okay. So it was like, there's a lot happening. It was the yeah, middle of stressful. the night. We're driving through downtown St. Louis and I got lost and I panicked and I felt it happen. Like my, the whole front of my shirt just got soaked. I was like, what is that? And you, and you were like well past like breastfeeding time. Oh yeah. I haven't son. breastfed in three years. Okay. Yeah. 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 So what? So, which, which as somebody for those, I mean, and for the audience, like, I think everyone knows enough about me at this point, like knowing about the human body, health and fitness, like how your hormones work, like all the things that you're describing are like clear, there's an issue with hormones, right? And your your pituitary gland, that's what governs our hormones, like so much of it. And so if that's getting fucked with like all these hormone things, like losing muscle mass, gaining weight, losing your hair, like lactate and like all these things are so clearly hormone fuckery. Yep. <laughs> if we, the, the, the medical explanation <laughs> hormone fuckery is a foot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, he was like, I know what it is. And then like you do, he's like, you've got a brain tumor. He's like, we're going to order an MRI just to make sure. But yeah. You've got a brain tumor. You're like, great. You know, I thought he'd be like, oh yeah, it's probably your thyroid. You know, well, let's do an ultrasound. Well, cause my dad has Hashimoto's. My brother has Hashimoto's. My grandma has Hashimoto's. I'm like, all I need is the diagnosis, sir. You know, like <laughs> so that I can start to get medicine. And, and he's like, no, I think it's something he's like, else. I know what this is. You're like, great. It's like brain tumor. It's like, come again. (laughs) And because like how I deal with trauma is to tell a bunch of jokes, you know, like I just embraced it and it made my mom super uncomfortable. So like I got diagnosed in November. So it was right before Christmas. So I was like, I sent an email to everyone. I'm like, Hey, uh, this year, since it's my first year with a brain tumor, (laughs) I would like gifts of cash. Like, (laughs) My mom was like, don't joke about that. That's not funny. I'm like, You're I like, think it's funny. Mom, <laughs> and what would you recommend? Me, <laughs> she got me a curing coffee maker and I still call it the tumor coffee maker. I'm like, I know I only got this because I have a brain tumor. <laughs> you know what? Like, when you get some shitty shit happening, go with, like, use it, right? Yeah. Lemons into lemonade. Yes. I'm going to get a coffee maker out of this brain tumor. Well, like, and then, and then they put me on medicine that, made me gain even more weight. So, oh yeah, it was awesome. So (laughs) I would like show up to events and people would look at me and I'm 
I look very different than I did previously. Like six like, months ago. Yeah. When like, someone gains a hundred pounds in under a year, it's obvious, you know? Y- yes. Accurate. Yes. And so they look at me, but they don't want to say anything because they're trying to be nice. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh, you look different. You're like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Does this tumor make me look fat? And they're like, <laughs> Heidi, <laughs> don't talk like that. I'm like, it's true though, but it's true. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's the thing too, is like humor can be really healing, right? Yeah. Like you, you could have chosen to like cry about it all the damn time or like maybe inject some lightness into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are parts of it that were really hard. My writing slowed way down because mm. my cognitive functions were suffering horribly yeah. because not only was the tumor doing a number, but my thyroid was dying. So that was also true. Um, and then the medicine that I was on was just the worst and I Mm -hmm. hated it and it hurt. Everything hurt while I was on it. Um, but I stuck with it because I wanted it to get over with, you know? So, so how did, what was the treatment? Like what happened? Did you have to have brain surgery? Like what was, Uh, no, thankfully the medicine worked. The first step they take is they give you this, um, they give you a medicine. There's a couple of different brands of it, different kinds. Um, I could only take a half of a milligram twice a week. So like, cause it's so strong and it's a dopamine yeah. agonist. So it forces your brain to produce dopamine. Okay. So because like, that was the thing. Great. The pituitary tumor, it was a prolactinoma. It was producing prolactin because that explains everything happening here. Um, it reduces the amount of dopamine in your brain to like nothing, but that's the thing that'll kill it. So I had to take a dopamine agonist, which forced my brain to produce dopamine constantly, which sounds like a good thing. You're like, Oh, dopamine. I'm going to feel great. No, no. When, when you're, it's like being, it's like having too much coffee for too long. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you like, wait, got wait, all wait, this wait, extra, wait. <laughs> nothing to do with it. And at the same time, like everything in your body hurts. And so you, mm. you can't use the energy that you now have. You just have it. It's like you're trapped inside this body and you can't get out. Um, so I had to do that for three years. And wow. Then, yeah. And then it was gone and hopefully it'll stay gone. Part of it is that I have to manage my stress levels Yes, because, um, apparently stress feeds tumors. It does. Yeah. So that was one of the big things. My doctor was like, Hey, um, we're going to put you on an anti-anxiety just to kind of help with that. Um, cause you know, we got to keep you calm so that this all works. And that's something I have to maintain. Like mm. I'm off my anxiety meds now, which is a great feeling because they were making me really foggy. Yeah. Um, but I have to be more proactive in my stress management, like at home and stuff. I have to know what I can and cannot handle. I have to know what I can and cannot yeah. sign up for. Like, so, so tell, I would love to hear more about that. Like, how did you, how do you effectively manage your stress? Like what sort of boundaries have you put in place? Like, how do you catch yourself? If you find, like, if you find yourself like, oh shit, I'm going down like a stress spiral. How do you get out of that and kind of reset? Like, yeah, tell us. Okay. Um, I vocalize my emotions. I say yes. out loud what I am feeling. Yes. That's step yes, number agreed. one. Agreed. Because as soon as I can name it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it has less power. It's less scary. It's less 100%. like, uh, confusing, you know, like when, when you're scared and you don't know why you're scared, you sort of keep that to yourself and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm scared, but I'm not telling anybody because I know I don't have a reason. But if you say it all, you're like, I'm scared. And I don't know why. 
Yes. And you walk yourself through the process and also therapy. (laughs) And my therapist is awesome. And she taught me how to walk through the facts, the facts of the feelings. Uh, Okay. So you're feeling a certain way. Do you have facts to back that up? And if I don't have facts to back that up, then I can only give it a limited number of time. You know, like I'm like, okay, I I love this. this way for a little while. But if I don't have facts that can keep me here, then I need to move on. Like be like, okay, I'm sad. Absolutely. Sometimes I, I love, yeah, keep going. Sometimes I, I will just feel sad. I'm like, I feel sad. And my husband be like, why are you sad? I don't have a reason. I'm just kind of feel sad. He's like, yeah, okay. Do you want a hug? I'm like, yeah, I want a hug and I'll get a hug. And then it's, it doesn't go away, but it, you can feel it start to ebb away. Mm-hmm. Like it dissipates, you know? I love that. And I actually, I talked about this on my stories like two days ago. Cause as, as you know, I am home right now with my family for my brother-in-law's memorial service. So it's a heavy week. And while, you know, I've had six months or so to process my grief and everything like that. Like when you're, you know, when like it's, it brings it all back up. And, and so I'm, I've been feeling like so many emotions every single day, like all of them, not just grief, like all, all kinds. And the other day I was feeling low all day long and resisting it. Right. Like I was like, no, like there's no reason to feel this way. Get high energy, like all this kind of stuff. And I, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I just like took a beat and was like, I feel sad today. I'm a little sad today. And once I said that out loud, I took such a deep, like exhale sigh of relief and was like, yeah. And that's okay. Cause like, when we have those quote unquote negative emotions, right? Like a lot of times we want to make ourselves wrong for it. Right. But just like you were saying, when we name it, it gives it less power. And, and exactly what you said, like a big sigh of relief, like, Oh, that's it. I'm having, I am a human having a human experience. And sometimes like we have feelings that don't make us feel amazing, but that's okay. Right. And so even just once I said it out loud and named it, I was like, Oh, I already feel better. Right. Cause I'm not fighting it. Yep. And, and I love what you said too, about looking at the facts, right. Cause so much of the time, like, you know, I talk about this all the time, like our feelings start with our thoughts, right. Thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Are you a growing entrepreneur looking for more visibility? Do you want to stand out as the authority and expert that you are? Do you want more leads, more dream clients coming to you asking about how they can work with you? Do you want to sell out your programs and have a stacked wait list? Are you finally ready to scale your business and create more results with less effort? Then you need the PR Accelerator, a hybrid program where we will teach you or somebody on your team how to do your own public relations, how to secure more podcast interviews, more media features, more speaking gigs, more collaborations, and ultimately more authoritative visibility so that you can scale your influence, your impact, and your income with ease. To learn more, visit laurensalon.com slash PR accelerator. That's laurensalon.com slash PR accelerator. And so everything is starting in, in our thoughts. And when things happen to us, around us, whatever it is, we create stories around that. Right. And so we assign meaning to it. So just like your therapist was saying, it's like, it's not wrong to have those feelings, but like, what 
actually happened. And now what meaning did I apply to that? What story did I create around the event and how valid is my story? Right. And like, am I turning this into something more than it should be and all that? So hundred percent, like everyone listening, take note of these steps because I like same, I use those tools as well. Well, and I think that there is like a, there's a stigma around quote unquote negative emotions. It's like, they're just emotions. Like we are full humans. We feel the whole spectrum. We don't only feel positive and we don't only feel negative. Like we, there's a lot in there and they make us whole. So sometimes fear and sorrow are really good indicators of, of things that you might need to work on. You know, like they're like, I always tell my son he's 10. And so he's, um, he's got big, big emotions and very little regulation, you know? And um, I'm like, fear is a flashlight. Fear is something that shows you what you might need to look closer at. Like that's an area you might need to unpack a little bit and you don't have to do it now, but that's an indicator. Like every time you come up to something and you're like, that scares me, that scares me, that scares me. Sometimes that's an, that's sometimes that's your gut going to stay away from that. But sometimes it's, sometimes it's something else, you know, Mm -hmm. and you need to kind of examine that. And I think sadness is one of those two where it's like, oh, I'm sad. Do I need to, do I need to talk about something with myself? Do I need to Mm -hmm. be real with myself about something like expectations or, you know, did you let yourself down, you know, stuff like that. Cause I find that I get sad when I've sabotaged myself, but I don't feel it until days later. Like I'll do something ridiculous, you know, that prevents me from accomplishing a goal. I know it's my fault. Um, and I think, well, I made the choice. So fine. I'm fine with it. Cause I, mm-hmm. I made that choice. And then a couple of days later, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why am I sad? And I know it's because I let myself down. Yeah. So. Yeah. Powerful. I mean, like the self-realization stuff and, and self-awareness, like it's so important and it's something that we get to learn in new ways all the time. Like even for me, like I know this about myself, my anxiety is a lot of the times, like at least lately, it's not necessarily, it can very much be external energy that I'm picking up on and not necessarily my own. And so working on, you know, maintaining good boundaries there and clearing and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the times when it's my own anxiety popping up, that's, an alarm, like a little alarm clock, right? Like a little poke, my body telling me, Hey, you're avoiding something or you're not dealing with something or something's out of alignment. I'm trying to get your fucking attention chick, like slow down and deal with this or else it's going to like, we're just going to keep like poking at you this anxiety nonstop. And so that like the other day when I was feeling sad at in the evening, I started feeling anxiety. I'm like, what the hell? Why am I getting anxiety? Like da, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well let's sit down. And now like deal with this and process this. And it was my body wanting me to just acknowledge that I was feeling sad and that maybe I just needed a cry. Right. There we go. That's it. So it's like that little alarm kind of poking you when something's out of alignment, right. Or there's friction in some way that you get to, to deal with. Absolutely. And the same thing with fear. Like I agree. Yes. There is the like safety fear. Well, fear in general is our body telling us like warning, you may die. Right. And it comes from that like very primitive part of our brain that like fight or flight instinctual part of our, like the lizard brain. Right. So the part of our brain that did not develop past like 
when we were dinosaurs, technically, how does evolution work? We were never dinosaurs, whatever you get what I'm saying, you guys, but the like super instinctual part of the brain. And it's not always right. Right. Like rarely are we as humans living in a modern civilized world in a like literal, like there is an intruder or an attacker or a beast that's trying to eat me escape, you know, like that's rarely the situation. Usually it's bullshit fear that we've created ourselves. And yet we still have that, like run away, flee, like self-preservation instinct come up. Um, so it is, yeah. Like, like you were saying, it's a flashlight to show us like, Oh, if you're feeling scared about this, like do you need to learn more about it? Do you need to, is there some wound that this is triggering in you from whenever, right? That you get to unpack and deal with and work through. So, so yeah, I, I would say absolutely like use fear as a guide more than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Tell I was terrified. That. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm I was scared scary. that I was scared that, um, and that was the thing is like, I didn't know I was scared. I'm like, I'm scared. Why am I scared? And that's the next part. You always have to ask the next question. Why are you scared? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I scared I was, of? What's the worst that could happen? Right. Right. What's the worst for me? The worst that could happen is that, um, you would forget about me. Wow. Here I am yeah. thinking like we would be on camera recording and suddenly like our, like your clothes incinerate off and you like shit your pants at the same time. And then like, you, I don't know, like something you get struck by lightning, right? Like, like that, like, That's yeah, actually very unlikely. terrifying to me, which is. <laughs> <laughs> that I would forget about you. And see, yeah. That's like such an interesting, like, yeah. I know. oh, we could unpack this. I'm sure. And I was right? like, oh, <laughs> well, I haven't been forgotten in a really long time, but apparently that's still a thing for me. Interesting. You yeah. Know? So, so where does that, do you know where that comes from? Um, Welcome have... to amplify the therapy edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> name this episode, all of Heidi's issues. Um, <laughs> I think stood up for prom and I don't want to say that it's that, except that I think it's probably that <laughs> part of it. Right. You know? like, like, I mean, and, and then it was, it wasn't just that though, because there was a couple of other things where I would get forgotten or left behind in different places. Yeah. Or like and, your parents pick you up late for school or something like, yeah. Or forgot to pick you up. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and I've learned, obviously therapy is awesome. I've learned not to take those things personally, that that's usually the other person, you know, but that's still like, a that's a hurt in me. And so every mm-hmm. once in a while, it's like, Hey, I'm still here, still here. And then, and then I'll get scared for weird things, like especially scheduled events, like um, dates, for example, like if my husband's like, we're going to go on a date, this is the date, this is the time, this is be ready by this time. I am afraid he's not going to show up. We've been married for 13 years. Oh my gosh. I love this, but I like, I don't know your husband, but like, I bless him because you're like, you don't love me. You're going to stand me up. It's like, I married you. We have a baby. (laughs) No, he's actually the best. Like I, I feel bad knowing that I have the best because I know no one else can have the best now because I already have <laughs> like the rest of you are just gonna have to settle like I have because I call him Captain Awesome and so he's Captain oh. Awesome on my phone and stuff and I remember I picked your brother up at the airport once and Charles called me and it came up on my phone and your brother leans over he goes it says Captain Awesome I'm like oh yeah that's Charles 
And your brother started laughing. Like he just was dying. He's like, I love that. Like how fucking cute are you? It's okay. So not without its work. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was kind of my next question. Like what, what sort of thing, like advice, I guess, or something like to like for a fulfilling partnership or where, like, I mean, how many years have you guys been married? We've been married 13, 13 years. Yeah. Like we've known each other for like 20 though. That's so cool. Yeah. We met at work and I hated his guts, hated him, tried to get him fired. Oh my God. Like actively begged my father to fire. Yeah. That's what I say. He worked for your dad, right? Yeah. 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 My dad was my boss, which I don't recommend. Don't work for family. If you can help it, unless your family (laughs) doesn't have any issues which that's not going to happen. Um, (laughs) But for like, I don't know, the first two years I knew him, I was like, look at this jackass. Like, who does he think he is? And he would just, in my, okay, from my perspective, he was always picking fights with me. You know, he was always like arguing with me and questioning everything Uh, about me. The elementary school flirting. Yeah. And he's still, even now he'll say, you've only, you've, how does he say it? You're the only one who's ever risen to the occasion. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, mostly like when I want to argue with people, they just back down. They're like, whatever, you're weird. And they won't talk to him. But I'm just like, I will fight you right now. (laughs) It's like, all right, she can match me. Yeah. He's like, I loved it. I loved everything about it. He's like, you're smart, you're clever. And you were not afraid to tell me if I was wrong. Like, that's true. I'm not afraid. (laughs) Um, But then we became friends and the friendship was great. We were really good friends. We hung out, we did all kinds of stuff together. And then he decided to kiss me and that ruined everything. Oh, there's no going back after that. (laughs) You can't go back after that. Yeah. He tried to, he was like, let's not do that ever again. I'm like, okay. And then he kisses me again. And I'm like, you said we weren't doing this. You're like, you're messing this whole thing up. (laughs) You know, and on our dating life was not um fairy tale or anything. We fought all the time. I think we worked through a lot of our own inner issues during the dating. We never put on our best selves when we were together um, while we were dating. It was almost like I was daring him the whole time to mm. have a reason to leave, you know. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense given what you've told us. Like, oh, I'm not lovable. So, like, right, well, let's yeah. see how much shit I can pull. And if you stay around. And honestly, the man's patience is outstanding. I can't yeah. believe some of the things that he puts up with even mm. today with other people I see it. And I'm just like, how are you? Like, no one should be this good. Mm. Like, it's not, he's like, he is Steve Rogers. He is Captain America. Like, that's just who he is at his core. Yeah. The other day, a girl at work quit and sent him a mean text message. And she said some mean shitty things about how he's a bad boss or whatever. And he just replies with, you're, you're a really hard worker. I really enjoyed working with you. I, I hope that you get a good job and, and that you get, you know, you, you get everything that you want. Like, he's just like, he doesn't take anything personally. And he's just yeah. like, all right. How, you know, meanwhile, yeah. I'm like a freaking train you're wreck. Like, this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I said some, like, very let me, give me your like, phone. I was like, I'm going to go down there right now. I'm going to show her a thing or two. And he's like, no, you're not. Yeah. I'm like, oops, you just wait. You're like, did you see how she talked to my husband? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. fired up pretty quick. 
Yeah. Hey, I'm familiar with that sort of thing. Wait. So what are, what are things that like now that are, I guess like some of those core things that, that help you have like a really beautiful marriage. And of course, like, you know, as obviously somebody who has been married, like it takes work and it's not always incredible. And you can still have a really beautiful marriage with the hard parts and the frustrating things and stuff. So like, yeah, what, what for you are those kind of core things that keep you guys, um, really, really strong and happy? Um, we're friends, like Mm -hmm. we're best friends. Like he is the first person I think of when I have got good news, you know, he's the first person I want to tell and he's hilarious. He makes me laugh and he's got all these wonderful, fantastic qualities, but that's like, it, that's really what it is, is just friendship. And then when we get to the hard stuff, cause the hard stuff happens, um, we just work through it until we solve it. We don't avoid it. Like we talk mm-hmm. about it. Sometimes I feel like we've talked about it to death. Mm-hmm. And those are my, like my frustration points. I'm like, oh my gosh, do we have to go over this again? And he's like, I just need to make sure that I know what I'm doing so that I don't screw it up. And I'm like, why do you have to say it like that? Because you know that I'm going to be the one who screws it up. Like <laughs> going to be me, but he doesn't, he never, he doesn't ever do the blame thing. And maybe that's what it is, is that we don't, we're just always on each other's side. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of an argument, even it's hard for us to be mean to each other, even if we're mad at each other. Cause it's like, it feels like crossing a line, you know, like yeah. you can't go too far because yeah. you don't want to hurt that person because yeah. they're your person. And then he, he always points out sometimes, cause sometimes we'll have a doozy. Sometimes we'll have a fight that'll last for a few days where I'm stomping around and mad or whatever. And he's just quiet. Cause that's how he deals with it. Yeah. But he always points out, we have a 100% success rate for yeah. every argument we've ever had. We've solved every single one. So that's not going to still together. Now. You're both still alive. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy because it is not, it is not mm-hmm. loving him is easy. Living mm-hmm. with him is hard. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's has really severe ADHD. So there's a lot of things, you know, because he's neurodivergent and I'm not, there's a lot of things where it doesn't make sense. Very early Mm -hmm. on in our marriage, I realized that was going to be a forever issue. When I found a loaf of bread underneath the bed, I was Ah. like, I was like, what was this? And he was like, well, I got snacky. And I'm like, that doesn't explain why there's a loaf of bread. (laughs) Continue, please. He's like, you don't like crumbs in the bed. I'm like, so what did you crawl under the bed like a mouse and eat in the middle of the night? Like, why don't just go to the kitchen? He's like, I don't know. I wanted to lay down. I'm like, okay. okay. One night I came home oh and I'm gosh, like, oh, I have to do the dishes before I go to bed. Cause they were all stacked up and we were both working full time at the time. And I was like, I'm just not, I don't want to get up in the morning to a dirty kitchen. And he's like, okay, I'll help. I'll go fill up the bathtub. And he ran down the hall and I'm like, no, to put dishes in there. Yeah. To wash dishes in the bathtub. But I'm like, no. to tag like, team. why not? He's like, it's like a big sink. I'm like, oh my gosh. I love him. <laughs> he's pretty great. Everybody loves him. You That's amazing. Like I know even when Zach came and stayed with us for a couple of weeks, there was, there was some bromance happening for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Well, I is, love he's that. The best. I have the best one. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So you've self-published yes. 14 books and 
next one is not self-published, correct? Correct. Oh, well, it's very exciting. So tell us about the self-publishing process, because I know that it can be really hard to get a publishing deal. Um, and, and even too, like some people don't want publishing deals because if you're not with a good publisher, like it may not help you all that much. And then you're giving a cut of your profit to away, you know? So like, tell us about the self-publishing process. And is that like, when should people do it? When should people pursue working with a publisher, all of that? Cause that's like completely unfamiliar territory for me. Okay. Where would I start? Well, first you have to start by writing a book. That's your first step. <laughs> so before you ever, ever, ever even think about which way you're going to publish, you need to have a book done first. Cause yes. even a traditional publisher, isn't going to look at something unless it's finished and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect, but it should be good enough. You know, yes. um, you got to finish it. You can't just write the first three chapters and call it good, but I know how it ends. No, you don't. You have no idea how it ends. You need to finish it first. Okay. Um, I have friends who are both, who are both indie and traditionally published. And there's nothing wrong with either one. I have some who are hybrid, who, who do both, who have a contract with a publisher and then also publish for themselves. I chose indie. I didn't even try to do trad because I knew I didn't, I knew I wouldn't like it. Okay. I didn't traditional. I just, yeah. I knew I didn't want, I don't like being told what to do. And I don't like being told what stories I can and cannot tell. I want the freedom to Same. choose the stories I write. Mm-hmm. And I am, I know my stories are a little odd. I'm not going to say that they're special or spectacular or anything. Cause I think that every story is special in its own way, but I know that I fit into a weird little corner of there's not very many of us that write what I write. Mm-hmm. Um, it's romance, but it's not steamy, but it's not clean because clean by definition usually means um, no sex, no discussion of sex, no swear words, no, definitely no drug use, no alcohol use. There's usually a religious message involved somehow. Um, And that's how you have to market yourself if you're going to write clean romance, which don't get me started on the word clean, because I feel like that's an insult in and of itself. But um, like there's something bad with sex. There's nothing wrong with sex. Sex is awesome. No, sorry. Like I do not want to have a romantic relationship that does not have amazing, crazy, wild, perverted sex. Right? (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry. (laughs) I have this is too much information, but I'm going to say it anyway. This there's nothing, no such thing as too much information on the show. I don't think (laughs) I've said, I've said to Charles before that if people were having as good of sex as we had, then world peace would be possible. Yeah. Like it's because you're not going to care about anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Great sex is a, should be a priority. I mean, maybe not for every, you know what? I, I'm not going to say what people should and shouldn't do, but I'm, I'm going to say like, when you are like, you know, this, you've heard me say this, like it, people who know me listening have heard me say this, like when you are like sexually fulfilled and like not blocked in your sexual expression, like everything else is so much better. And you become like so much more effective at manifesting. You're going to like all the things. So yeah, 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 yeah. Same page. Yeah. So I write books that don't have sex on page and not because I'm trying to make a statement about it. Cause I'm not, because I read books with sexy times in it and I love them. I think they're great. Some of my favorite authors write some of the most 
amazing scenes I have ever read, but <laughs> I can't write them for whatever reason. That's not my zone. Mm. I, I lean more into the emotional aspect of it, into the, the emotional development part of it and stuff like that. If I were to add sex scenes into my books, they would be 200,000 words long. Like my <gasps> books are already really huge, you know? So if I were to add sex, every time I did a fade to black and actually write out the sex scene, it takes a lot. Oh my gosh. That could be like your exclusive content, like fade to black for this scene. Visit. Look at me like little one of those. Oh, I have okay. one of those. I haven't released, I haven't showed anybody. Well, oh. I showed my va- my betas because they get to see everything first. And most oh. of them were just like, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, nope. You're like, well, great. Thank you and for your feedback. Some people will really love it. I imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but my characters, they swear, they drink, there's drug content, there's real life stuff. So it, it's not clean. It's not inspy. It's definitely romance it just doesn't have sex on page that's the Mm. only difference and so I fit into like this weird little thing where I know that if I would go into traditionally published they'd be like you need to add sex scenes and that's interesting they would want it sexier yeah that's what sells exactly there's been sex in books since forever like they I think it's one of the first things ever written was a sex scene so you know that's just how it is um but also they're not going to be super interested in some of my weird ideas and mm. I just know that they're going to be like, oh, maybe you should make this person do this thing instead. And I'm going to be like, no, I want to, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I- yeah. So self-publishing, you get to like, yeah. do- I may- make the- all the choices, right? Yeah. Do whatever you want. You keep a hundred percent of the profits, but I imagine it can be more challenging to get it out there. Right. It is. And I mean, you only keep about 70% of the profits because, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause if you're putting you know, on Amazon or something, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, but yeah, marketing is hard. Uh, you have to figure all that out on your own word of mouth is the best way to get stuff around. And just being seen is hard. The writing part is the easiest part. Um, the publishing part is a whole other animal. It is, it is not like writing. It is, you Mm. have to know about business and demand and exposure and all of these things that writers generally don't know or care about. Yeah. And you got to get your own book covers and editors. And I mean, you can just write something, you know, put it together, go publish it right now. Like you could, Amazon makes it very possible. You can publish something immediately. Um, it will get terrible reviews if you haven't used spell check, you know, like <laughs> people, readers are very picky. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yeah. I agree. Like anytime I would find like a typo, like when I was younger reading books and stuff, I feel like it happens less now. I'd be like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, oh, shout out to all the typos that have made it through three rounds of edits and two proofreaders. And they still make it into the book because uh, that is some perseverance. Yeah. Uh, I, I was <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Pour some out for the typos that just didn't give up. <sighs> They're always going to be there. Yeah. And I don't. So if somebody is looking to, be like partner with a publisher, like a, a for, like traditional publisher, like how do they start that process? You need an agent first. Okay. You would need an agent first. Um, I don't know all of the ins and outs of how, how to get an agent. Cause I've never had one. Um, I make all my Wait, decisions but, on my own. But if you're working with a publisher now, how did you do that? I was my own agent. Oh, okay. So you could, you could be your own agent. It depends on the Ish. publisher. My, the the publisher I'm working with right now is a very small press 
and she um, does all of her stuff in-house. Like mm. she is, she's very new and she does her own thing. And um, she doesn't, she's not a big fan of traditional publishers either. She is. Okay. So she's kind of doing a her rebel, thing. rebel yeah. publishing house. And that's why it was so bit. easy for me to jump into stuff with her. Yeah. I was just yeah, like, I'm sure our values align. You see things the way I see things. Like she never once told me that I have to write a certain way or add a certain, like, I don't have to add sex scenes into my books with her. She's like, no, you write what you write. And we chose you because we know what you write. Like, yeah, this cool. is your voice. You don't have to move it for us. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I'm so excited for you with this. That's going to be amazing. I hope so. I'm yeah. So I want to talk about a little bit about like showing up and being seen and all that kind of stuff. Cause I know that's something that has been difficult for you. And obviously for those, those who, um, are listening, who don't know, Heidi's actually currently in my PR accelerator program. And part of that was like, yeah, to stand out more, like, yes, get visibility for your books and everything, but also like for you to show up a bit more as like the human behind all these stories. And so how, like, I would love to hear a little bit about that transformation. Cause I know it's still scary and still, um, something you work on, like are working on and everything like that. But I'd love for you to speak into like why you decided, okay, now I need to start showing up. Like I can't be hiding as much. Why, why, why? Okay. Uh, why is because I, is that gut feeling, you know, mm. like I, that, fear is a flashlight. This is something I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of showing up. I'm afraid of being seen. I'm afraid of being rejected for who I am. It's easier Mm. to have your books rejected because they are stories and people get to decide what they do and do not like. And there's nothing wrong with that. Bad reviews are kind of awesome. That makes it feel more realistic that way. You know? I mean, really they are. You're like, I have haters. I've arrived. But being rejected just for being me, that's a harder one. I, it's just hard. And so it's scary, but at the same time, um, with this book coming out with the publisher, um, I knew it was going to be a big deal and I didn't want to show up unprepared. Mm. I didn't want to self-sabotage. I didn't want to take this opportunity and bury it. You know, I wanted to take this opportunity and set it on fire. And I knew there was really only one way to do that. And that was to do the scary thing, to Mm. do the hard thing. And with you, um, learning from you has been an interesting experience because you are teaching me the exact opposite of everything I've ever learned. Okay. So (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) oh, um, great. Well, (laughs) It's good. Don't worry. Um, I was always taught to apologize for my stuff, apologize Mm. for being loud, apologize for seeing things the way I see things. Um, Don't brag about yourself because nobody likes a braggart. Always be humble. Mm. But I feel like the people who taught me to be humble mistook that. Like they, it wasn't being humble. They taught me to just be invisible. Don't give me chills. Don't rock the boat. Don't talk too loud. Don't embarrass me. Don't, you know. And so 
when I joined your class, you got to meet 37 years of me learning to not speak, <laughs> you know? And so it was hard when you were like, okay, go, you have to pitch now. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> you know? um, but you've just said some amazing things just in our mm-hmm. weekly classes and stuff where you're just like, Hey, um, you're the expert in this. And so you need to sound like it. And I'm like, well, that's harsh, <laughs> but it's not like, I know, like it's not, but that's how it sounded to me. I'm like, Oh, it hurts. Why does it hurt? You know, why does it burn? <laughs> she says these things that make me very uncomfortable and it's because they're right it's because they're true and I'm yeah. just like oh that sucks <laughs> don't like like, it. damn it fine <laughs> and I will say you guys as you can hear right now like it's so like working with you has and getting to know you more has been so interesting for me as well because I would never think that you are like as terrified or uncomfortable or were at least like when you would go live or speak up or whatever it is, because one, you're funny and like, you're so present and connected and like you show up so well that when you're like, oh my gosh, I was sweating. And like, I feel like I'm going to throw up now. I'm like, wouldn't have known. I would not have known for a second. Keep going because you are so good when you show up as you. So like, yes. Well, a lot of that has to do with just you being a really good teacher, like, thank you. Projecting that energy onto your, onto your students, thank you. <laughs> you know? like it, uh, it's helped a lot. It's made big changes and mm. the husband has noticed where he's just like, oh. wow, you are, you're doing stuff like you're online and oh. stuff. I'm like, I know. And he's like, this is been really good for you. I'm like, I know. Oh, I love that. Oh, you guys, my heart. I love this. So, yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, we talk about it in PR accelerator and stuff like that. I talk about it online. Like, yeah. When you like turn, crank up the, the volume, the heat, whatever we want to call it on yourself and you show up more fully and like more you, and you share that with the world, like it unlocks a ton, you know, not just for yourself personally, but like it, it's going to attract so many more people and opportunities to you. And so, so yeah, so it's been a really special for me to like, see that in, in you. And I love it. Like, even just like you talking in your Instagram stories, like face to camera, I'm always like, yeah, look at her go, look at her do it. She's doing the things. I love it. I still don't do it as frequently as I, as I'm, I'm working on, I'm building up. I have a slow ramp up. Like I'm Great. a little at a time Great. and I increase it. That's totally fine. I love it here for it. This show is like all about, as, as we know, which is, is a lot about what we literally just talked about, but is all about like owning your truth, using your voice, like showing up unapologetically, showing up authentically, all of that. So like for people who are listening to this, who might still be scared to do that, to show up fully, like what is one key piece of advice, whether that's an action to take each day, a quote that you really love, like something to think about, a question to ask yourself, what's one kind of key piece of advice for people who are looking to show up more and to stand out more? Oh. And it can even be like something, something we've touched on already. Um. 
be afraid and do it anyway. Yeah. Don't wait till you're not afraid kind of thing. Like if you're going to wait to not be afraid, you'll wait forever. You have to do it while you're afraid. Absolutely. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yep. I love that. So to close us out, where can everybody find out more about you on Instagram, Facebook, website, all that kind of stuff. And where can they get a hold of your current books that are already out? And then the new one that's coming when, you know, where, where to stay in the loop for info on where that. Stay in the, um, Instagram is where I've been most active and it's Heidi underscore Hutchinson. So it's really easy to find me. My website's super easy too. It's Heidi H.net. And all my books are on there. You can find me on Amazon, on iTunes, on Kobo, on Barnes Noble, all of them. I'm on all of them under my real name. Believe it or not. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So you guys, Heidi underscore Hutchinson on Instagram, Heidi H dot net for all her current books that are already available and for updates when the newest one comes out sometime this year. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing and all of that. And I, and I would like highly recommend everyone go follow you because like, she's really funny. Like, (laughs) like, like, I think we got like some of that out, I think, but like, she's freaking hilarious. So like tune in because like genuine, huge heart, super freaking smart. Obviously we've got the stories and the books that people can tap into, but like also just really hilarious and everything. And just like, like raw and real too. So you're welcome. So y'all go check out Heidi. Thank you so much for joining us. And, um, yeah, I loved, I love this chat with you. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic.